Welcome. Welcome to the Porcher and Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, examining the Word of God, following the example of the Book of Acts Church. And in doing so, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. And by doing so, we get that world-shaking power that the church had, the unity, the, the dunamis of the upper room, the priesthood of the believer regained so we can do what we're called to do in these final ticks of the clock. We de- <laughs> We believe the day of Pentecost is ongoing. I had to tell you what, I've been excited all day to be here. Excited to be anywhere. No, um, excited to be here. The Spirit just hit me as we came on. Everything was fine. Spirit's excited. Who knows what's going to happen? Because the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. It's burning right now. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. Or you could just write it directly at the porch, one word, lowercase, at FirefallTalkRadio.com. You want to support what we do, go to the main page of Firefall Talk Radio. There are ways to do so. Just pray about it and give as the Lord leads. We appreciate the support and encouragement of all of you who do. So welcome. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. First of all, before we do anything, my apologies for the audio from last week's Bible study. It's a little under the weather. I didn't realize how much I was under the weather till I listened to the Bible study, which I, of course, um, edited, corrected, and uploaded a new file. But again, you know, I know this isn't a professional production. That's not why you're here, but I take it seriously and uh, wanted to let you know that. Still working on the new email list for the newsletter. Let us know if you want to be on it. Remember, if you need prayer or you want to pray for others in the porch community, just contact us. We care about you. If you need it, we want to get it to you. We want people praying for you. And if you're sitting in a pew somewhere under somebody, that's great. But I have found most people sit in a congregation and nobody's covering them, nobody's praying for them. Speaking of prayer, which I just was, Um, And we're going to use this to take us right into the Bible study. We need to pray for all those in the path of tropical storm, now Hurricane Nicole. We, you know, here in Orlando, in central Florida, we will get some wind and some rain. But the people along the coastlines, they are already all, (laughs) are already, ooh, hallelujah. Hmm. Lord, I'm just going to go right to it. Lord, you are so awesome. Your children right now are in the path of another storm. Now, whether it's of you or of the nature or man-made creation, in this day and time, we just don't know. But what we do know is that you are still on the throne. 
Nothing has changed in that regard. You are the great I am. You control all things. When you were in the boat asleep and the waves were crashing down and the disciples were afraid, you said to them, why? Why are you afraid? And you spoke to the storm and you said, peace, be still. And the waves just calmed down. Lord, right now, on behalf of your children, that are in the direct path of the wind and the waves and the rain. We say, peace, be still. Envelop them in your peace. Surround them with your glory and your angels. We pray a Psalm 91 covering over them and all of us that will be affected by this storm. Your word says that no evil shall come near our dwelling. So we pray right now to come under the hidden shadow of your wings. We hide like baby chicks under those glorious, wonderful, powerful wings. Send your angels. Send your angels to each and every person. Some have been devastated by Hurricane Ian. Lord, they don't need the flooding. They don't need this. Push it away. Reach your hand in there and tear it apart. We thank you, Lord, for how much you love us. We thank you, Father, for sending Yeshua to die for us. We thank you that the cross has become the symbol of our freedom, was the symbol of your chastisement, your punishment for us. You did nothing wrong. The blood, the shame, the pain, everything you endured was ours. And so here we are crying out to you, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We love you. We need you. The protection, the blessings, the favor, divine health and healing, we need you. We need your promises fulfilled. Lord, we're so in love with you. So in love with you. I pray that my brothers and sisters would have that love stirred up, that it would overflow, that it would be the fuel that drives them first thing in the morning, last thing at night, that their heart would beat for you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us the comforter, the parakletos, the one to walk with us. Oh, my goodness. I almost went out right there. Mm. Holy Spirit, envelop us. Envelop your children right now. Wherever they are, let your presence surround them. Touch them inside out. We pray that you would Bless the technology. There'd be no interference. There'd be no hindrances. That your word, your desire, everything you want for this night would happen, whether listening live or they hear it later on or whenever they hear it, they get your touch. That you are imprinted upon this file. That your word goes forth. Your spirit goes forth. That the hope and the love and the promises that you have for us would be received. So 
So, Lord, do whatever you want. It's your time. Have your way. In Yeshua's name, amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Um, let me clarify something. When I say to you, I almost went out or I can feel it, I'm not doing that to get your attention. I don't I don't need that. I'm I'm just being honest because you can't see me and and we're interacting um, via the sound of my voice and this technology. So, you know, just uh, uh, bear with me in my craziness at times. But I had the Bible study all ready to go, and then the Lord said, nope, I want you to start out this way. So here we go. Matthew 24, starting verse 4. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Take heed that no one deceives you. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about deception. Your Bibles should be open. We're picking up off of last week's first part about the great apostasy. So let's go back to Second Thessalonians 2. Establish the foundation of where this is going. This is to Paul, Paul to the church in Thessalonica. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Messiah had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, capital H, Holy Spirit, who now restrains, will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Hasatan, Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Well, we know from Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12, a number of things have not happened yet. The Antichrist hasn't been revealed. There is no temple of God for him to sit in to declare himself as God. The church is still here. The Holy Spirit is still here. So none of these things have happened. So anybody who believes that it has is teaching apostasy, the Holman Bible Dictionary. Apostasy is the act of rebelling against, forsaking, abandoning, or falling away from what one has believed. I told you last week the Old Testament refers to apostasy as rebellion against the king. So I guess in the New Testament, it's rebellion against the king of kings, but it's spiritual unfaithfulness and backsliding. In the New Testament, the English word apostasy comes from the Greek word apostasia, which means to stand away from. I mean, the people that followed Yeshua and when he talked about drinking his blood and eating his flesh, and they went, whoops, too tough for us, we're out of here. That was a falling away. They got away from him. They stood away from him. Now, in Second Thessalonians 2, Paul's addressing the church who had been deceived by false teachers into believing that the day of the Lord had already come. So he was telling them, For that day to come, the apostasy must happen first. What is the day of the Lord? If you don't already know, we've talked about it before. It's a period of time in which God will deal with wicked men directly and dramatically in fearful judgment. A time of cataclysmic conclusion on earth. Say that three times fast. Correction, redemption, and renewal. The cross declared it. His ascension started the clock ticking, and his return will set off the alarm bells to awaken us to a day of hope for the church and a day of dread for the world. So what had happened with Thessalonica was false teaching that the day of the Lord had come and gone was disturbing the church as well it should. So Paul's reminding them of what has to happen. You know, uh, the stuff is so basic, it's in the Word. And the thing about deception I find so frustrating is people just open their Bibles, read the Word, listen to the Spirit. They wouldn't fall for the tricks and the schemes of the enemy. 
The man of lawlessness has not been revealed. We are probably in the initial ripple of apostasy, but the great apostasy has not happened. And this son of perdition, the Antichrist, he'll have his moment of glory. Satan's always wanted his moment of glory. He's always wanted the stage. He's always wanted the accolades and the worship, even of his other brother fallen angels. Well, Messiah is going to destroy his Antichrist. And the deceived will be judged. Second Thessalonians 1.3 We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. When he says brethren, he's not being sexist or misogynist as some would say today. He's brothers and sisters. It's plural combined brethren. And love binds them together. During times like this, you need people to bind to. Now, if you don't have it locally for whatever reason, maybe you're in a place where there aren't others. That's what this is for. Um, Emails are for. uh, Connections are for. But we are in a period of time where things are happening that we have to pay attention to. That's why I'm talking to you about this. That's why the Spirit won't let go of it. I don't know if that means the second coming is imminent or the return of the Lord for his bride. I don't know. I do know the signs are there that uh, we should be awake. Second Thessalonians 1, starting in verse 7. He says, to give you rest, talking to the church, to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day capital D, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because of our testimony among you was believed. This was a core teaching for the church. This was important to the apostles. Why is it not important to us today? Oh, it's it's too it's too dark, Richard. No, it's about hope. First Thessalonians two nineteen. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Adonai Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, at His coming? His coming is joyful. We want to see Him. First Thessalonians three thirteen that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus the Messiah with all his saints. What was the book of Acts church focused on? Building buildings? No. Acquiring real estate? No. Getting people saved, healed, and delivered and prepared for the return of the king. As I've said all these years, one eye on the sky, one eye on the job, but they were always looking for him. 
And I guess because of the delays and all the other stuff, people have become complacent. Don't become complacent. Get excited. Let every day be the day of hope and joy that it could be the one. And if you go to sleep that night, then it'll be the next day or the day after that. But don't lose hope. The Lord is coming. The King is coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. There it is again. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, even so God will bring him with those who sleep in Yeshua. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead Messiah will rise first Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. See, they had been taught by Paul when the day of the Lord had would come. But these false teachers were saying, hey, it already happened, it's come and gone. No. But concerning times and seasons, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I sh- should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons, and I'm going to add daughters of light, and sons and daughters of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus the Messiah, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Comfort and edify one another. See, that's what I'm trying to do tonight. As I looked at these notes and I'm thinking, you know what, last week was pretty serious beside the fact it was at times boring, but because of my voice and the energy, there was no energy in the room. The room, just none. But I'm thinking, all right, Tonight can't be that serious, can it? Well, as I looked at the scripture, I kept seeing comfort and edify hope, comfort 
talk about it. The glow is coming back, and, and I, like I'm doing right now, I can feel the rush. I'm excited. Oh, I know there's going to be bad times. I know things are going to happen. We're experiencing some of it even right now. But our hope is in him. Our hope is in each other, praying for one another, standing with one another. He goes down to verse 23 in in, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach our Lord Jesus the Messiah what was the hope of the church paradise eternity seeing the Lord coming in the air it wasn't here we're not of this world. We're not terrestrial. We're extraterrestrial. And unfortunately, we're stuck in these bodies. But we're going to get resurrected, glorified bodies in the blink of an eye, twinkling, boom. So this time and this event was so important It was the fuel that drove the church. It was the hopes of what does the enemy want to do? He wants to deceive them and steal that hope. Now, this is not long after the resurrection of the Lord. There are many people there that were alive when he was on the earth and were alive when he he rose, and maybe they saw it or maybe they heard about it. But the church is, is in its infancy, and it's already begun. The deception's already begun. And they were wavering in their faith, and they were becoming frightened. And not just in Thessalonica, it was throughout the church. The enemy is about fear. He's about stealing your hope. But he's been limited in his power, so he can't just come in and take it. He's got to get you to give it up. He's got to get you to let go of it. So what I'm saying to you right now, hold on tight. 2 Timothy 4, teen of chapter 2. You like the way I corrected that little mistake? 2 Timothy 2, starting with verse 14. I'm, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. The darker it gets, the brighter we become. The darker it gets, the more I know. The more I know that uh, he's coming. Apparently, we got kicked off. I'm assuming that we're still on. I I can't do anything about it. Let me um, hold on here, folks. Sorry. Well, I wondered if we would get interrupted, and I probably should have done this on my iPad or my phone. But whatever, the recording will be there. Where was I? 
But the the enemy is just every day trying to deceive us and steal our hope. He's calling the people. He's telling them, believe. Believe in the resurrection. Believe in the rapture. Believe in the Lord coming. And these false teachers are saying, nah, it already happened. You, your, your hope is in nothing. So he tells Timothy in chapter 2 of Second Timothy, verse 14, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will be spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and that they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Messiah depart from iniquity. The Lexham Bible Dictionary says Hymenaeus was a heretical teacher in Ephesus. He was an opponent of the Apostle Paul. Paul mentions him twice, twice, once with Alexander in 1st Timothy chapter 1, and then once with Philetus in 2 Timothy 2. He's a part of a group who had rejected um, faith and good conscience, and they were teaching that the resurrection had already happened. They were claiming two things, that the bodily resurrection of believers had already taken place, if you can believe that, that the resurrection just means arising from sin, and there'll be no bodily resurrection from death. So in Second Timothy, Hymenaeus and Philetus are among the people whose pointless chatter will progress to greater ungodliness and whose talk, Paul describes very graphically, will spread like gangrene. And Philetus is always mentioned with the two, and he, apparently he's the lesser player. The International Bible Encyclopedia says that these two, Hymenaeus and Philetus, are the, the instances of men who were doing serious injury to the church at that time by their teaching. And they were causing people to lose faith, and they were affecting their morals. The, the specific error, the International Bible Encyclopedia, Standard Bible Encyclopedia says, was they treated all scriptural references as figurative or metaphorical. And this this is out there right now. They spiritualized it absolutely and held that the resurrection was a thing of the past. No resurrection was possible, they taught, except for from ignorance to knowledge, from sin to righteousness. There would be no day when the dead would hear the voice of Messiah and come forth out of the grave. The Christian, knowing that Messiah was raised from the dead, looked forward to the day when his body should be raised in the likeness of Messiah's resurrection. But this faith was utterly denied by the teaching of these two. And like Paul said, they had overthrown the faith of some, the ones whose roots had not gone deep enough. So 
If you hear people teaching about the denial of the resurrection of the body or that the scriptures of, of the resurrection, the second coming, and all the stuff in Revelation, it's, it's allegorical. It's spiritual. Well, how does that overthrow the faith? What that does, it leaves you nothing to cling to. No living Messiah who saves and leads and comforts his people. And Paul described this as a gangrene that ate the flesh and led to ungodliness. You know, it's amazing to me that people like Hymenaeus and Philetus and Alexander are around today. They have different names. And I was going to name those names, but the Lord won't let me. I don't want to glorify them in their teaching. I don't want to feed, put their false food on the table. What I'm doing is showing you what you need to know so that when you hear those things, you won't be deceived. And Paul added that he delivered Hymenaeus and Alexander and Philetus and the the like to Satan, that they might learn not to blaspheme. And this most likely signifies they were either excommunicated from the church. I believe it meant actual supernatural infliction of some form of suffering, or possibly both. He meant that through prayer and the removal of any covering, that the enemy would have access to them. How do we fall for what Paul describes as profane and vain babblings? I don't know, but it does lead to ungodliness. It does eat away at the church. But he tells Timothy, the Lord knows those that are his. And let everyone that names the name of the Lord depart from unrighteousness. Apparently they did not depart from iniquity and were shunned as well they should have been. And that may sound harsh. And I've been in situations where people have been asked to leave because they were disruptive in bringing things into a fellowship that were harmful. For the sake of the flock, if people will not repent, if people will not do what they need to do, then you must do these things. And what's funny is, in Acts 20, Paul prophesies to the elders of the church in Ephesus in his farewell address that this would happen. Acts 20, verse 29, And for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Well, it was the church in Ephesus that Hymenaeus and Alexander and Philetus arose. So that's what Paul's talking about because to Timothy, five years later, it happens. Paul saw it. It's easy to spot, but like most gangrene, it doesn't start out like that. It starts out as a little spot, starts out as a little area that goes untreated and then eventually begins to eat away. And I know that's a gross imagery, and I'm not trying to gross you out, but I'm trying to get you to understand it starts out slowly. First Timothy 1, verse 3. 
As I urged you when I came into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. He brings them up again in First uh, Timothy one nineteen, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, what was it that they were teaching at that moment? Hymenaeus and Alexander. Obviously, Hymenaeus is the ringleader. And Alexander and Philetus are followers. They go along with it. They helped confirm it. Well, what they were teaching was that Christian morality was not required. The word that was used in the Greek was antinomianism, which is anti-against nomos. Anti, which is against, and nomos, which is law. It's the unbiblical practice of living without regard of the righteousness of God, using God's grace as a license to sin, and trusting grace to cleanse of sin. In other words, what they were teaching I hear today. God's grace is so infinite, we're saved by grace, so we can sin all we want and we'll still be saved. No, that's not true. They put away faith and a good conscience. They willfully abandoned the great central facts regarding Messiah, so they made shipwreck concerning the faith. This is apostasy. That's why in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul states, Now the Spirit expressly says, that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Remember, this is the brand new church, maybe 60 years old around this point. And here we are, all this time later, and we're still fighting the sickness, this virus in the church. And the Lord warned about it. This isn't just the apostles. The Lord warned about it. Matthew 7, starting verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. False teachers, you will know them by what they produce. And then if we take Matthew 7 and we jump down one more verse, 
we see the Lord says right after he talks about false teachers and false prophets, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will come to me in that day, saying, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you who practice sin, you who do these things which are not of me. I don't I don't know about you but this this is important stuff. I don't want somebody stealing my hope. I don't want somebody stealing your hope. I don't want somebody to infect you with a false teaching so that when your life falls apart or something goes wrong, you have nothing to hold on to, you lose all hope. You think that everything you believed was a lie. Well, part of that's true. Everything you believed was a lie. Not everything in the Word was a lie. Not everything the Lord said was a lie. But that's what the enemy wants to do. Second Peter, Peter talks about it. Second Peter 2, verse 1, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, bought as in purchased, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. See, the purpose of this in the enemy's way is to deceive you, but people do it for covetousness. Let's get real preaching about sin and and, and some of the a- aspects. Eh, that doesn't get a big offering. No, people want to be tickled. They want to be told, hey, you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. It's okay. God's got you covered. Angels are everywhere. Doesn't matter what you do. Go where you want to go. Do what you want to do with whomever. Yeah. You know, that, that those songs from the 60s and the 70s, we're seeing them lived out today. I don't know how these guys did it. A spiritual vision, a false revelation. They sent out a letter falsely attributed to Paul. I, you know, I don't know. The enemy does those things. Which is why we have to live out 1 John 4, verses 1 and 2. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, has come in the flesh is of God. You see, teachers back then were saying Jesus wasn't a mortal man. He didn't really come in flesh. He was a spiritual being. He was an angel, whatever. Everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, literally, 
they need to be tested by the Spirit. And the thing about angels, by the way, and it's funny how the scriptures tied together, was that worship of angels is apostasy. So many times it's in scripture, I'll just take you to one. Revelation 19, starting with verse 9, the angel says to John the Revelator, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And then John fell at his feet as to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Yeshua. Worship God for the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. We don't worship angels. We don't. I know some who do. I know some who put them up on pedestals. They don't want that. They are fellow servants of the king. They serve him and him alone, and any angel that says otherwise is a fallen one. These doctrines of demons, as mentioned in 1 Timothy 4, is his way of saying it's the source and the power of the deception. Every speaker should be tested against the word, against the spirit, that what they say is truth. That's why I believe the Holy Spirit is the apostasy antivirus that keeps it from infecting the body of Messiah. Larry and I were talking about this today. And he said, how can people be so easily deceived and still believe they're hearing from the Lord? And the answer has to be either they don't hear from the Holy Spirit or he's not there or he has stepped back from them. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He teaches the truth about Messiah. False prophets and false teachers, they have a spirit of deception, the spirit of the Antichrist that leads people away from Messiah, which is what? Apostasy tricks you into falling away, tricks you into backing away from something you once believed. See, when I started this Bible study, actually the Lord did, sorry there, Lord. When when the porch was started, it was an outgrowth of what we did in Tallahassee. And the idea was to get back to the upper room, to reboot the upper room, if you will so that we could regain what they had. And one of the things that the Lord has always had me go back to, John 14, 15, and 16, because he was telling the disciples and us what was going to be the key to our success. John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, John fourteen twenty six, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you, John fifteen twenty six. But when the Helper, the Paracletos, comes, whom I shall send from the Father, The spirit of truth who proceeds literally emanates from the Father. 
he will testify of me. John 16, verses 13 through 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will not, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. Go back up here. Just as I was saying it, the Lord dropped something in my head. Verse uh, 13, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Where is he hearing? He's hearing it from the Lord in the throne room. And he will tell you things to come. I don't need a current modern-day prophet. I don't need somebody to tell me what's coming. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I can go directly to the Lord in the throne room. You have same access. Stop falling for this nonsense of getting you tied into a current-day modern prophet, apostle, whoever they are with their names and their big followings, that they're the only ones who could tell you what's coming. And for the most part, they're wrong. Go to the Lord in prayer. Develop the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Spirit of truth conveys truth from God. And because of that, he guides the judgment of the world. The Spirit says only what he has heard from the Father and the Son in the throne room, and they work together in perfect unity. You are, through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you are directly connected to the throne room. If you can't hear clearly, if there's static in the line, if there's something wrong with the connection, focus on that. Don't run to somebody else and say, hey, what are you hearing? That's great for confirmation, but you need your own connection. You need your own line of communication. Now, the disciples were being shown things that they had not heard before about the present and the future, which was confirmed by the Word. Remember, the Spirit will never tell you anything that does not get confirmed by the Word. But you have access to the living water. You can drink any time you need to know. Drink. John 7, verse 37, on the last day, of the feast, the great day of the feast, that's the Feast of Tabernacles. So called, Yeshua stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Yeshua was not yet glorified. See, this is your hope, the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. He will encourage us, he will instruct us, and he will strengthen Yeshua's followers. He empowers us to withstand the lies and the deception and the attacks of all the false teachings, of all the threats of apostasy. He'll hold you, he'll anchor you. He'll tear down the strongholds of the mind 
that the enemy uses to trick us into falling away from the faith. You are anchored by the Holy Spirit to the Lord in the throne room, so you won't be shaken in word or deed or anything you see out in the world. You shouldn't be shaken by false teachers and preachers and false prophets because the spirit of truth is in you, the spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead. Father, you're the only hope we have. You're it, Lord. We have no other hope. Your word, your spirit, we can't even understand it without you. It's just words on a paper. You bring it alive. You make it alive because you are the living word. And if there was ever a time we needed pure word, it was now. To drink pure living water, it's now. A time of confusion, time of fear, time of agitation and deception. So I'm asking for everyone listening who is seeking that truth, seeking that clarity of mind and spirit that you bestow upon them the peace the comfort, the edification that you bestow upon them what they need in this time. On every level, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, even financially so that we can do what you've called us to do. But Lord, inside out, start with us. Holy Spirit, inside out, change us. Anchor us, hold us. Change us. Empower us. If you agree, in Yeshua's name, say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.